Well, let's take our Bibles, if you would, please, and turn to Acts chapter 15. Acts chapter 15 and verse number 36. Acts 15 and verse number 36. Acts 13, Acts 15, did I say 13? You knew what I meant, didn't you? 15, Acts 15, I'm not sure what I said. Acts 15 and verse 36. Acts 15 and verse 36. And some days after Paul said unto Barnabas, Let us go again and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord. And see how they do. And Barnabas determined to take with them John, whose surname was Mark. But Paul thought not good to take him with them, who departed from them uh, from Pamphylia and went not with them to the work. And the contention was so sharp between them that they departed asunder one from the other. And so Barnabas took Mark and sailed unto Cyprus, and Paul chose Silas and departed, being recommended by the brethren unto the grace of God. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, confirming the churches. Now let's just continue reading right on into chapter 16, uh, because really this section goes right through verse number 5, where he'll... Uh, give a little bit of a progress report before going into the next next section of Acts. So let's read right on into uh, chapter 16, verse 1. Then came he to Derbe and Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timotheus, the son of a certain woman, which was a Jewess, and believed, but his father was a Greek which was well reported of by the brethren that were at Lystra and Iconium. Him would Paul have to go forth with him, and took and circumcised him because of the Jews which were in those quarters. For they knew all that his father was a Greek. And as they went through the cities, they delivered them the decrees for to keep. That would be back in reference to chapter 15 material that were ordained of the apostles and elders which were at Jerusalem. And so were the churches established in the faith and increased in number daily. And then beginning in verse number 6, it uh, will be what we would refer to as the Macedonian call, which really Paul was obviously just intending to go and visit, visit, revisit those churches where they went on his first journey. But God had a lot more in mind uh, than what Paul had in mind and and Paul's going to be minded to go to Bithynia and that area, and the Holy Ghost is going to say, no, go west. And so that's how the gospel got to us. But in any case, I'm looking forward tonight to getting into the sermon number 30 in our series in the book of Acts, side by side in the gospel ministry. Side by side in the gospel ministry. That's how I view uh, our responsibilities here together, that literally you're standing, we're standing side by side to give one voice to one message to one Savior, that being the gospel message of Jesus Christ. Yeah. I enjoyed this morning. That, I know you're still standing. I'll have you seated in just a minute. Sorry. I enjoyed this morning just uh, looking back and seeing all the choir members 
in unison, all together, singing the precious name of Jesus. It was really a blessing just to see all these people singing that one powerful name. And so that's what we have occasion to do as a church family as we serve side by side in the gospel ministry. May God bless the reading of his word. And as you're seated, we'll get into the message here tonight. I absolutely love teamwork. I love to watch as a, as a team comes together and works together. When that synergy is there. And uh, they have, uh, if it's a sports team, they've played to they've, until they've gelled together. You know what I mean? They've, they're working together. It's clicking. They're going somewhere together. They're clinching a playoff uh, series together. Whatever it might be. I, I just love to see teamwork. Teamwork. This uh, morning, Miss Regina uh, sang and a song, I'm forgetting now the title, but it has to do with the high priestly work of Jesus and, and how that he is our high priest. Well, um, I think she maybe had missed last Sunday due to some circumstances, illness and such as that. And so uh, she, I was wondering because uh, the song she sang, and I, I preached on this morning about the fact that Jesus is our high priest. And uh, I mean, the song and the message, it, it was almost like, like we planned it that way, like it was teamwork. But she didn't know what I was going to be preaching, and I didn't know what she's going to be singing, but God just orchestrated that. It was quite overwhelming. This past uh, Friday and Saturday, I had occasion to preach at the Baptist Men's Recharge. It's up in Kansas, and uh, very similar to the Amen Conference or the uh, Men's Advance. And so about 500 and... 50-some men, I believe it was, uh, gathered together, and, and we had some Bible preaching and men-type fellowship and good singing and such. It was, it was just a blessing, and so I was very glad to be able to be there. And uh, some of the guys got together and sang. Some of the guys that used to be on Glory Bound, like a Tyler Prater and, and Brother Daniel Ligon and, and, uh, and Brother Stephen Jones. Let's see. Oh, and John Mark. Uh, John Mark from... Uh, Springfield, his last name Yates. Yeah, John John uh, Yates, and and uh, so that was the they called it the Glory Rebound, not Glory Bound, but Glory Rebound. Yeah, I loved it. It was great, you know, hearing those guys sing together. Well, the, their voices blended. It was great. It's teamwork. I love I love it. Love it when voices can blend, you know, like that. And so Glory Rebound. That was all right. So I was in my office and praying and just seeking God about uh, what to preach there at this Baptist Men's Recharge and, and um, you know, just trying to give it thought. I love preaching to men and such. And so, I don't know, it was just really very clear that, that God just seemed to emphasize to my heart. And, and as Miss Cynthia sang a moment, moment ago, God still speaks and I can hear his voice. And, and I try to be mindful and sensitive of God's leadership in preaching and such because I know how important that preaching is because it's God's Word. And so I realize you can just open up the Bible and preach anywhere you want to, but I really want to be led by God in that. And so anyways, I was just seeking God's face about it, and, and God just seemed to very clearly say, now, I know you may be hesitant to do this, and God knew the reasons as to why, but I, it's almost this clear. I want you to preach on the life of Abraham as kind of a big picture of Abraham's life and the life of Lot. 
and to ask the men uh, that are gathered together in attendance there this question to deal with your direction as a man, your direction as a man. Are you growing in faith or settling in Sodom? Are you growing in faith or settling in Sodom? So on Friday night, I purposed to preach about the life of Abraham. And even though Abraham faltered and failed, and in fact, I preached in chapter 16 about how that he went into Hagar and helping God with man-made plans. And, uh, and yet, by the time you get to the New Testament, God has pointed to Abraham as an example of faith. And called him faithful Abraham. So just to ask the men, are you growing in faith or are you settling in Sodom? And to preach the life of Lot and how that, how that Lot led his family in a wrong direction. And thus they ended up in a wrong destination because your destination is determined by your direction. Ponder the path of life is really uh, along the lines of what we consider together. And so in any case, I, I just was greatly impressed to do that. So uh, Brother Davison, Brother Sam Davison was preaching in the same meeting. So we rode up together, about a three-hour drive. And I'm glad to tell you we got along just great all the way up there and had a great time of fellowship. And, and so anyways, we were just talking a little bit. And he asked me, so what are you preaching? Well, I could almost tell you exactly what I knew he was going to preach. And I kid you not, I, I mean, I just kind of smiled and, and I said, well, I'm preaching about uh, Abraham and Lot. And he looked over at me, I was driving, he said, are you serious? I said, yes, sir, and I'm preaching first. <laughs> so I was so glad about that. Because <laughs> he had purposed to preach Genesis 19, I had purposed to preach Genesis 19, and... Um, Man, I'm telling you, I began to wonder, now, am I, am I sure that's what I'm supposed to preach? But, but I, he was explaining what he was going to preach, and, and I began to see how that God was really just working this together. And, um, you know, I preached kind of the background, so that saved him all kinds of time, <laughs> made it a really short sermon. So anyways, I preached actually right up to chapter 18. He preached the first part of chapter 19 on the sin of Sodom, but, but that the greater sin was not even the homosexuality that was there, but that Lot, had, even as a saved individual, had little influence over his family. That's the more tragic story. Yeah. So he preached that part, and then I preached the very end of chapter 19. But i got to tell you, even before that, the, they had three preachers on Friday night and three preachers the next morning. Yep. You can't overdose on preaching. It's all right. But Brother Aaron Denson, okay, now I skipped a major part. Aaron Denson, pastors down at Bethany Baptist Church in Lubbock, Texas, he, he preached first. I preached second. Brother Sam preached third. And so Brother Denson, he preached, we walk by faith, not by sight. The major point that I had to get across about Abraham's life was that here's a man who walked by faith. Brother Sam's major point that he got across about Lot was that he lifted up his eyes. He was a man who walked by sight. I'm telling you, it was on as far as just it all working together. It was amazing. Well, you know, Baptist preachers can't do that. There's a God, my friend. 
And he is orchestrating things, and he's bringing these things together. And, and so I, I really believe the Lord definitely worked. I love that teamwork. And, and, and we labor together in the gospel ministry. And so anyways, it was, it was a great time. And I had occasion to drop Brother Sam back off in Wichita for him to fly out on a preaching trip. And, and so we parted ways. And in fact, we parted ways kind of just rejoicing that now, you know, three, three years later after the transition, and we're still friends. This is great. I'm so loving that, you know, and he's loving that. And as a church, I mean, we still love him and admire him and appreciate him. And I'm so glad he can feel like he can come back and just be here and is, is supportive. All those things. Hey, listen, I believe that's Holy Spirit produced. Yep. On top of that, I thank God for our church. I thank God for the unity within our church. I don't take that lightly. I believe that the unity that we enjoy here is spirit-produced. I believe that's scriptural. In fact, you look in Ephesians 4, in verse number 3, it, it talks about endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. And so it's the, it's the unity of the spirit. It's the spirit. It's the unity that the spirit of God produces. I thank God for that. But, you know, I've been here 10 years and been in, in ministries, and you've been in church maybe a long time. Many of you have been. Well, you know, every now and then contention can hit a church and disunity. In fact, if you paid attention during our Bible reading, you read and I read that Paul and Barnabas were not on the same page. Paul and Barnabas, it's not like they were working together and ready to preach the same message. I mean, they were, they were kind of... Butting heads. You know that takes place in the ministry. It could take place right here. It may have taken place today. I'm not preaching this tonight because I know that there's problems right in here. I don't know what's going on in your marriage. I don't. I'm trying not to look at couples right now. I don't know. I don't know if you're having trouble. I don't know what's going on, you know, in your family life. I don't know. I don't know what's going on. You know, I know what's going on in our family life and, and, and maybe some circumstances, sure. But, but uh, I don't know what's going on in dorm rooms. I don't know what's going on in schools and things like that. Listen, but I'm telling you, maybe there's a reason why we're right here. You know, in fact, I, I found it very significant. Now, last week we took a little bit of time just to kind of rejoice in what God did in the GIBF. But I'm telling you, every time I believe, every time a church or you as an individual or you as a family, when you experience a significant amount of victory, then you better get ready because that's when the enemy is going to attack. Think about it. Think about when, you know, when they, when they went through the Red Sea and the Red Sea was parted on the other side of that, there was murmuring and complaining. Remember that? Remember when uh, fire fell from heaven because Elijah was, was uh, praying and God caused fire to fall? But don't you know that chapter 19, he's under a juniper tree? You see, after great times of victory, there can be great times of, of challenge and difficulty. And so I don't know. I don't know that our church is going to be challenged that way. I do know this. I know that Satan does not like the progress of the gospel. I know that he does not. He's against two things. He's against the home and he's against church. And we could say a lot of other things he's against. He's against godly nations. But right now where God is working, Satan is very much opposed to your family being together in unity. And he's very much opposed to this church having unity. And so we ought to take heed. So tonight we're studying, I think, one of the more unique passages in the New Testament, especially one of the most unique passages in the book of Acts. Because I read this and I don't expect stuff like this to happen with Paul. And Barnabas, 
the son of consolation, the, the man who's an encouragement. I, I just don't expect, I expect these men just to get along all the time and never fight. In fact, I don't think they even sin. <laughs> but they're men. And, 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 they, and they can have differing points of view. And Luke, he, I mean, he just deals, deals with this in a matter-of-fact kind of way. He doesn't, he doesn't go into a whole lot of detail, and yet he gives us enough to see that there was, a mate, there was a conflict. In fact, he says it was a sharp conflict. I mean, it didn't come to blows, but it came to words. And so it, it just kind of puzzles me that, that that's here after such a... I mean, after such a great time of standing together and they went to Jerusalem and took a stand together and, and were making great progress and, and now over Mark they fight. You know, sometimes I've looked in my own life and seen times of contentions I've had with my wife. I'm not giving any personal testimonies as far as details here, but I can look back and see sometimes when we've had some uh, talk times discussions and you know the funny thing about it is i mean there's one story that we use uh to this day can i share this and okay good she said yes she don't know exactly what i'm going to share so but she's already said yes so this is great you know but but um we we use this story about after we first were married uh our first fight um she uh i and the thing the thing about it that i'm going to make a point about is that we don't i don't remember exactly what it was about neither does she but that doesn't matter. It was a fight. <laughs> but uh, she's, she uh, kind of stormed off. And I'm, I'm, I know it was my fault. <laughs> well, we lived in a one-room apartment, you know. And, and uh, the only ro- room to run to was the restroom. So she went that direction and started to close the door with a little force. And I put my hand in there. Bam! <laughs> just at the right time. Or at the wrong time. <laughs> so, in any case, uh, we've had our times. You know, you say, for real? Yes, for real. Not knock down drag house, praise God. I'm, I'm scared. I wouldn't want. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, seriously, I wouldn't do that. But, I mean, we've had times. But, you know, the, <laughs> I better move on. Yes. yes. <laughs> but we've had times. And, you know, I look back on it now, and I don't even remember what a lot of those times are. Have you had times like that? And, and so, baby, we shouldn't be surprised that here's Paul and here's Barnabas, heroes of the faith that we would look at, and they're butting heads. Well, if it happens to them, I imagine it could happen to us. Yep, most certainly could. So, why did Luke include this, and how are we supposed to respond when these times happen, and what are we supposed to get out of it? And then the whole deal about Timothy. As we'll move on and see that Paul had him to be circumcised. And you might be scratching your head thinking, well, wait a minute. I thought that wasn't necessary because chapter 15, they said that the Gentiles didn't have to be. And he's part Gentile. Let him go. Why? So um, let's think a little bit here tonight. I think it'll be a help to you as we uh, consider this uh, side-by-side work in the gospel and how that sometimes it can bring some contention with it. Not because of the gospel. And not because of the Spirit of God. But because of us. Yeah. So here's, here's the deal. 
Paul thought it would be a good idea to follow up on the churches. And that's a great idea because people that are saved need people that will follow up on them. And, and these people that were saved, they were not just out there loosely doing their own thing. They were to gather together in churches. And so Paul said, let's go and see how they do. And he said so much as to uh, Barnabas. And I imagine Barnabas could say, you know, Paul, I was thinking the same exact thing. I'm telling you, these men, they were on the same page doctrinally. They were on the same page in loving Jesus. They were on the same page in loving churches. They were on the same page in the philosophy of ministry. They were on the same page in loving and believing in the power of the gospel. But they were not on the same page when it came to John Mark. So Barnabas, I'm just trying to imagine their conversation. Maybe he said, you know, Paul, that's a great idea. I'm ready to go. I'll talk to John Mark and uh, let him know exactly when we're going to leave. You're going to talk to who? John Mark, my cousin. Well, it doesn't matter if it's your cousin or not. He left us. Remember that? Don't you remember? I mean, Barnabas, I mean, no disrespect, but, you know, I mean, he left in Perga. He didn't even make it to Antioch of Pisidia. Let alone, he didn't even make it to Lystra. And in Lystra, remember that, as I was left for dead, and remember the stones and the stoning that took place? I mean, he didn't even get that far, and he already left. I don't think it'd be a good idea to bring Mark. I mean, we're going back in that region, Barnabas, and that region's rough. It's tough. It's predominantly Gentile, and, and there's just a lot of opposition there. I, Barnabas, I just don't think he's ready. Well, Barnabas was the son of consolation. He was Mr. Positive. He, he was the encourager. He said, no, look, I, Barnabas, Paul, give him some time. I think he's got great potential. Well, I think he's got great potential too, but not now. <laughs> Wait a minute, Paul, brother Paul. You know when a brother sometimes says brother, he doesn't quite mean brother like you think he means brother. <laughs> brother Paul. Remember one day when I said to you, Brother Saul? Okay, you're supposed to get that. <laughs> Remember when I said to you, Brother Saul? Remembers? Remember Saul when nobody wanted anything to do with you back in Jerusalem over 10 years ago? You remember that? And, and I, was, I was kind and open up to you, and I believed you had potential, and I read. I don't know. I don't, they maybe didn't have this type of discussion. All I know is that the Bible said they had sharp contention. That means it got heated. That means that there was, it was intense. That means that, that, that there was a sharp difference of opinions and they were voicing it. And so it may have been Barnabas saying to Paul, hey, where would you be right now if, if somebody hadn't, hadn't uh, given you another chance? Well, I just don't think it's a good idea. I, I think right now, I don't know. Really, we can't, we can't. And here's the deal. We don't know who's right. And that's not even the point. Which, by the way, that's how it is with most arguments. In the home, and at church, and at work, it's not so much sometimes even what you're even talking about that's the issue. So we don't know who's right. I mean, really, I could see. In fact, I think Luke maybe leans a little bit uh, towards Paul's side to say, you know, maybe it's not right that they would take him because this did just happen. And, and yet Barnabas, he's saying this. And, and so, and obvious, Bar Barnabas had a good point because if you keep reading in the New Testament, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, and I believe it's verse number 10, 
Paul says about Mark, John Mark, bring him to see me because he's profitable. Did you hear what he said? He changed his mind about Mark. So evidently there was great potential in this young man. But at the time, Paul just didn't think so, at least right then. So who's right? We're not here to judge. Luke doesn't judge. Luke doesn't say. Luke just simply says, it came to this. There was a sharp contention between them. I don't know how this affects your, affects your mind about these men, but I'm just telling you the truth. They came to such a disagreement about it that they parted ways. What? Yes, they parted ways. Barnabas took Mark and went to Cyprus, his hometown. Paul took Silas and went north to Cilicia, his hometown, and then began the, 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 uh, the ministry of, of visiting the churches. They split ways over this. That's how sharp the contention was. But you know what I find as I keep reading my New Testament? I find in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse number 6 that Paul, in a very respectful and in a way that commends Barnabas, talks about Barnabas as a godly spiritual leader. He still had respect for Barnabas. Now, this is the last time that Barnabas is mentioned in the book of Acts. But I, I don't know. I just, I just uh, believe that probably Paul and Barnabas, they got over this. Because he writes favorably about him in the end. He writes favorably about him in 1 Corinthians, and that would be after this incident. And so, even though, listen, this is, this is helpful. Even though they disagreed, they maintained their friendship. That's good. Now, uh, what we need to recognize here is that this was not a difference over doctrine. There are some times, church, we have to separate from somebody because of doctrine. There are times you're going to have to separate from somebody maybe even that you've loved and had ministry with for some time because of doctrine. This was not over morality. This was not over direction and ministry in the sense of one becoming more progressive or something like that. That was not it at all. But here was a situation where they just were not seeing eye to eye on a person, namely Mark. And they went their separate ways. Now, why does Luke include that? I believe he includes it to make this point. It still didn't hurt the gospel. The gospel just rolled on. It just kept going. God is sovereign over the affairs of his church. And God can work sovereignly even when men are disputing. Even when good men are disputing. Even when there's a disagreement between the two that, that separated them, God was still operating. God was still at work. The gospel was still powerful. And what Barnabas did is he went there to Cyprus and began preaching. And Paul, he went on north up there to preach and then went on a great missionary journey. I'm telling you, it's like Luke is saying, look, this happened. It's a matter of a fact. And I'm not here to choose sides. But this took place. But it did not hinder the work of the gospel. You know, um, sometimes we're on a road trip and we're driving along and there might be some skirmishes 
that take place in the back seat of the car between three boys. I'm, I'm just telling you, you know what it's like in your family. You get two together. It doesn't matter. He hit me. You know, back and forth it goes. I, listen, listen, here, here's what I'm saying. We're on, a, on our journey. Maybe we're traveling on vacation. We're going to this destination or we're going here on a mission trip or, or on a preaching trip or whatever. Now, I'm going to deal with them because it's what I need to do as a father. But I'm not going to allow their contention to stop me from my destination as I'm the father and I know where I'm going. I'm the one driving here. And even though they're at a time of contention, I know where I'm going and I'm just going to keep the pedal to the metal doing the speed limit. (laughs) Okay? Our Heavenly Father is on a mission. Sometimes His children get into it with one another. But that does not deter the Father from the mission. Now, he'll deal with his children. And every now and then, he has to pull over. (laughs) Every now and then, at least, I've had to pull over and deal with a few issues and then move on. But nonetheless, we move on. And that's what happened here in Acts. The church just rolled on and kept moving. Okay, now I'm going to come back to that thought here in just a moment. But I want us to move ahead now to chapter 16 and give a few thoughts before we make some application. So Paul and Silas are the new team. They're working together. And so they meet Timothy. He has a good name among the brethren. He has a good reputation. He's uh, from a mixed, he's a, he's a mixed uh, as far as his race goes. He's half Jew, part Jew, and, and half Gentile. His dad is not a saved man as far as we know. He's a Greek as it is there, and so he's not saved. We know from 2 Timothy, and we know from here that, that it's, mo- it's most likely that uh, Timothy's mom and grandmother maybe were saved in the first missionary journey of Paul. And then they helped Timothy, or maybe Timothy was saved at that same time. I don't know about that, but in 2 Timothy, it does talk about how that this faith dwelt first in your mother and your grandmother, and it now d- dwells in you. And so, Timothy, I know that you've got a godly heritage, but I also know that your dad's not saved, and I know that he's a Greek man, he's a Gentile man, and, and I realize, you know, all these circumstances about your life. And I, I just want to say this, it doesn't matter what kind of a background you come from, and you may have been in it, raised in a home where you're dad didn't go to church or your parents didn't go to church or your mom didn't go to church. But listen, God can work in your life and do great things through your life, even though maybe your dad wasn't a godly man. Are you with me here? I mean, that's the situation of a Timothy and God greatly, do I, I don't have to make that point very long, but God greatly used this young man named Timothy. But here's the point of this passage as, as Paul is there, he's a man that's well reported of and, and so Paul says, would you consider joining our missionary team? The Holy Spirit of God obviously was leading and involved in that. And so here's Timothy, and he is part Jew, part Gentile, but he's not been circumcised. His father being Greek probably made that decision. Being Gentile, he made that decision. I don't want my son to have the sign of of the Jews. I want him to 
have the sign uh, or just be under my authority. And so for whatever reason, we don't know, but, but Timothy was not um, Jew in the sense there of the circumcision. Now, Paul had just reasoned and said that a man does not have to be circumcised in order to be saved and right with God. That was the whole point of chapter 15 of Acts. But here, it almost seems like a contradiction, but here we have Paul who says to Timothy, Timothy, I believe that you need to be circumcised because of your Jewish heritage. Now later on, Paul is going to say to Titus, I don't think that it's necessary that you would follow circumcision. But to Timothy, he says, I believe that it would be advantageous for you to be circumcised. Why? Why did he tell Timothy to do this? Why did he tell him to take the sign of circumcision? He told him to do so because and for the sake of the gospel. Paul had not given up on going to the Jews. So what Paul wanted to do was go in and preach the gospel to the Jews. He has a young man with him who is part Jewish. And so the question would come up, has he been circumcised? Does he have the sign of the Jews, the sign of the covenant? And so then that would be an issue if he did not. So Paul said, you know, listen to this now. This makes good sense. In order to avoid question and in order to keep our attention and their attention on the gospel, then would you consider going ahead and being circumcised just so that we don't become sidetracked on a side issue? So Paul, in that case, was avoiding conflict for the sake of the gospel so that the main topic would remain the main topic, namely the gospel. Now, he didn't have to do that, and Timothy didn't have to comply, but he did comply for the sake of the gospel. He set his liberties aside for the sake of the gospel so that they could work side by side. And as a result of that, we read in verse number 5, and so were the churches established in the faith and increased in the number daily. That's just testifying to the work and the power again of the gospel and how that every member was an evangelist. They didn't have big name evangelists in there and, and big meetings going on, but they just had church members who were sold out to Jesus Christ and shared their faith everywhere and people came to faith all over the place. Yep. So here's what I find in this section of scripture, in this closing section here of this part of Acts. Paul worked with others side by side in the gospel ministry by giving himself to the gospel, even in a time of disagreement, and using discernment on an issue that could have sidetracked him from the gospel ministry. So today is Taking Aim Sunday. It's Taking Aim Sunday. Taking aim means that it's adults in ministry together. That's the idea. And teens together as well. But we're focusing especially on adults in ministry together. I want to say this tonight. That taking aim does not mean that we're taking aim at another brother or sister in Christ. That is not what taking aim Sunday is all about. It's not taking aim in that fashion. Again... We have a church, I believe, that's been blessed with spirit-produced unity. I don't know of a major contention that is splitting this church. I want to raise both hands and give thanks and praise and glory to God in heaven. 
because that is spirit produced. We are on the same page doctrinally. We are on the same page about Jesus Christ. We are on the same page about the gospel. We are on the same page about world missions. But listen, just the fact that we're on the same page in all those various areas does not mean that we may not come to a time, member to member or person to person, where there might not be a time of disagreement. There may very well be, even between good men and godly men, between missionaries, between pastors, between evangelists, between a pastor and a church member, or between church members, between leaders of departments, between a, a Sunday school teacher and another Sunday school teacher, or a Sunday school teacher and a Sunday school helper, a choir member and a choir director, a choir member and a choir member, or a bus worker and another bus worker. I'm just simply telling you, it could be that there could be some times of disagreement here. That's almost inevitable that we're not going to agree on everything. We must agree on doctrine. We must agree on Jesus Christ. We must agree on the gospel. There's a lot of things that we must agree on, but there may be some things that we don't agree on. And that's okay. Colors and personnel and such. I'm just simply saying it may be that some may maybe wouldn't agree about the appointment of a certain leader over this or over that, just like it was back then. It may be that there's some type of a disagreement about that. We're not talking about morals. We're not talking about doctrine. We're not talking about any of these things, but it may be that we just don't see eye to eye on that. Are you, are you with me here tonight? I'm just simply saying it's possible. I don't think we should have sang that song. I think we should sing this song. Why don't we sing this song? I think we should. I think we shouldn't. Da, 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 da. <laughs> Why are we doing this up in the youth group? I don't like that. I don't like this. I'm just simply saying, you may not like everything here. Welcome to church. You're not going to like everything. I don't like what they're doing here. I don't like this. I don't like that. I don't agree on this. I don't agree on that. Whoa, 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 whoa. Stop the bus. Okay. Got bad memories from a bus. All right. So what ought we to do? I believe here's what ought we to do. We ought to focus on the gospel and let the gospel help us get past some of those things of disagreement. Just keep rolling. Maybe you don't agree, but listen, that doesn't mean you ought not be friends. Again, I don't have anything in specific in mind. I'm just simply saying, it could be there's teens in the youth group that don't like other teens in the youth group. Get over it. Get over it. Stop the drama bus. It could be at the school, and it could be in Sunday school classes, or in this very assembly. There may be people on the, west, on the east side that don't like people on the west side. This is not a gang. We don't have gangs. We don't have signs. We don't have colors. We don't have this. We've got the gospel. And the gospel of Jesus brings us together. So there's a lot of things that we just need to get over and maintain friendships. And maybe we don't see eye to eye on that, but let's just keep rolling. Keep rolling for the sake of the gospel. So here's what I see that Paul did not do. They, in Barnabas, they did not bless the other person. May, I'm going to draw some inferences here from silence because, because I think there's some lessons here, not just from what they did, but also from what they did not do. I do not find Paul and Barnabas distributing letters to the churches saying, do you know what Barnabas wanted to do? He wanted to take Mark and Mark is a loser. <laughs> he didn't write letters like that. He didn't write letters saying I didn't, he didn't get on there and blog about it. 
He didn't send out mass emails. He didn't even tweet. He didn't put it on his Facebook. I'm just simply saying he moved on. He didn't go to this church and say, do you know what he did? And do you, can you believe Barnabas? Yeah, the one that was here. Can you believe that? And Barnabas didn't get on that island. Yeah, me and Paul, we had it out, man. I was right and he was wrong and ah. No, here's what they did. They left that in the past. And they got on with it. Spiritual people take matters and make them smaller. Carnal people, blow it up. A tie kind of got me. But the, the carnal people, I'm telling you, here's what carnal people do. They involve people that's not even involved in the argument. That is so carnal. Building your case by getting people on your side. So carnal. So carnal. That's, that's not helping the gospel. That's hurting the gospel. Yeah. Not good. And preachers have been guilty of it, and church members have been guilty of it, and Sunday school teachers have been guilty of it, and on and on we could go. Hey, listen, what we've got to do here, church, is just keep focusing on Jesus and continue focusing on the gospel and let that make some of our decisions for us. And here's another thing I see that they did not do. They did not drop out of the ministry. Well, if that's how it's going to be, I'm done. I'm out of here. I'm done with this. I am so done with this. (laughs) I'm telling you, they didn't do that. We need to be in the in the in the business in the process in the in the work of developing uh, disciples. We are not pleasing consumers here. And yet so many times people will say, well, if, if you don't do this, and that's what I like for my family or for me or whatever, and you don't go this direction or, or you, you're not, we're not seeing here, I, I, then, then, then I, I'm not sure that that's the mind of a disciple. Now, if we get off as a church and we stop preaching the Bible and stop preaching the gospel and stop trying to give attention to Jesus Christ and stop doing this and that, I'm, uh, that, that is meaningful, then I'd say, by all means, you need to find another church, my friend. But if we're preaching the Bible and preaching the gospel, then don't get nitpicking all this other stuff that, that you'd like to do or see or whatever. And I, I'm just simply saying, you can miss out on a whole lot called discipleship through church. By getting off and sidetracked, it's sad. Maintain friendships. Here's another thing I didn't, I don't see, I see that they did not do. They did not become cynical. They did not become cynical. Overcome with negativity. Here's the thing I see they did. They did maintain their friendship and they let time heal things. So much so that Paul said, you know, I was wrong about Timothy. He's profitable. Bring him. So they, they didn't attack one another. They just dealt with the issue. Oh, that's another thing. They didn't call one another names. And here's what I see Paul doing from... From that other standpoint in chapter 16, he avoided disagreements by removing distractions so that the gospel would be prominent. 
Circumcision was already an issue. He didn't want to make more of an issue out of it. He was aware that it was a sensitive issue to the Jews. And thus he said, let's just remove the obstacle there and focus on the gospel. You know, there's a lot of uh, issues today. There's a lot of um, areas that maybe you could take some liberty in. But if you care about the gospel, you'll say, you know, I don't want to be an offense here. Everybody listen to this. I don't want to cause it to be difficult for others. And I don't want to get off topic here. I want to be very much on topic and talk about the gospel. You know, um, I, just, I just determined a long time ago that, and, and through some careful study, that this Bible, namely the King James Bible, is the Word of God. And we don't hit that every week and just drill that and drill that and drill that. You know, and it, but it's an issue in our day and time. Yeah. And we could. And we're King James and we're just settled on it and just using it. In fact, I love the, uh, the mentality of Brother Bruce Humbert up in uh, Chicago land and, and how that he was preaching at a men's advance and said, you know, the King James Bible is a big issue and and such, and I'm King James from here all the way down to the bottom of my feet, and and no no mind to go anywhere else. But he said, I'm not going to get into every argument about it. He said, a lot of the folks that try to argue about the King James Bible, they're not reading it in the first place. <laughs> he said, you know, if somebody came into my house, intruding in my house, and trying to do harm to my family. He said, I've got, I forget what he said, a 357 or whatever it is he has in his home for those occasions. He said, I don't stop that guy or I wouldn't stop that guy and say, now look, this is a 357. And, it, and go into all the intricacies of the 357 and the history of the 357 and, and the infallibility of the 357 and the preservation <laughs> and the accuracy of the 357. He just said, I'm going to use it. I don't have to explain it. I'm just going to use it. That's how I feel about this Bible. Now, I know some things about its history. I know how it's been preserved. I know its accuracy. But here's what I've determined. I'm just going to go ahead and use it. I like that. That way we don't get sidetracked. Just focused on the gospel. Had a gentleman come to me this past uh, Friday night, and he said this, you know, Brother Gaddis, from the preaching and already before this, God had dealt with me about some things that, um, about my family and our home regarding movies, that um, it's just been a real sidetrack issue for us. Just kind of consumed our time and hadn't helped our thinking. Now, here's, here's the point, church. See, and his family have liberty to do that, to watch movies? Well, sure. And, and most definitely so, the right kind, of course. It's got to be that. There's not liberty otherwise. But he simply said this, you know, I'm going to set these things aside so that I can give attention to the gospel in my family's life. Now, he's got liberty to do this. Hey, you've got liberty to go to movies. You've got liberty to do this and do that. But you know, there may be some things that you just need to set aside 
so that you don't get sidetracked. Because it is an issue with others, and they look at you and think, well, what? Uh, they, they have that in their home? They drink? They what? Huh? Well, there's some things people take liberty on they don't even have liberty in. There's other things that you have liberty on, but it, it may not be the best thing. Is this making sense? When you run it through the grid of the gospel. And that's what Paul did. When he had contention, he dealt with it, he moved on. Yeah. But then to avoid some contention, he said, I'm not going to do this. Let's do this so that we can avoid attention, so we can keep our focus on the gospel. So may God help our church just to stay focused on Jesus Christ and focused on the Bible and focused on ministry. And as we take aim, it won't be at one another, but it'll be with one another, together, working, side by side in the gospel. Father, thank you tonight for the way that you point and direct and lead your church. And Lord, I don't know what all people may be dealing with. It may not be in the church that there are issues of life where there may be even disagreements, but at home or at work and extended family issues and things of that nature. I pray that some of these principles from your word would be a help. And then, dear God, as we make just decisions day by day, and there are liberties, God, that could be abused and taken without regard for others and for the gospel's sake, but would you just help us sincerely to think about the gospel of Jesus Christ, not of love for him, do what's best and what's best for the sake of the gospel. And so, Father, I pray that you'd help us here tonight, and thank you, God, for guiding us, Lord, throughout our church life, and as we take aim here together and people engage and involve themselves and their families in the gospel ministry, I pray that you'd help us. Protect us, O God, I pray, from the attacks of the enemy, the evil one, that would disrupt our teamwork and working together with you, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.